This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Amen. If you have your Bible today, go ahead and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be uh, going through our series today, There's a Light, with a message entitled People of Integrity. And you know, when I was praying about what God wanted me to share with our church family this weekend, the word integrity kept coming to mind because doesn't it seem that in our world today that integrity is something that is seemingly lost? Doesn't it seem to you that it seems when people get in a position of influence and people think that they are something and then we find out that they weren't what they appeared to be, that oftentimes our world just begins to just crumble and we go, oh my goodness, who can I trust if I can't trust this person? Who is a good Christian if this person isn't? Uh, what about this guy or this lady or this minister? And the temptation is for you and me to become very isolated in our thinking and in our level of trusting other people. Because when we put ourselves out there thinking something is one way and then we find out it's another, we get burned. You've, you've been burned by churches. You've been burned by pastors. You've been burned by people who claim to be Christians. You've been burned by people who you held in high esteem. And then you began to see that there was no integrity there. And the temptation is for you and me to just not want to trust anybody or get too close. And we keep everybody at arm's length. Because we have this stigma that everyone must be like that person. Or that everyone must be like that minister. Or that every church is like that last place that you got burned in. And that's what people begin to think. And they take these perceptions that the enemy loves to create and loves for us to camp out on. And they take these things and they get stuck because they can't move past that. Well, I want to tell you today... That God has called you and me to be people of integrity. That is how we shine the light in the darkness. By being people who don't just talk a good talk. Or who have a good appearance of having things together. But people who are striving to be more and more like Jesus. We're not perfect. We don't have everything in our lives figured out. But at the same time, we know who we are and we know whose we are. Amen? And that light shines through the darkness. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start reading here in verse 12 in just a moment, but Paul is dealing with the church in Corinth because these guys had a lot of issues going on. And he begins to address something that is very important, not only to them back then, but to us today. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 12 says, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance, but not in heart. Because God looks at what, folks? He looks at our heart. He doesn't look at how impressive we talk. He doesn't look at how impressive we can carry ourselves or how well-versed or memorized that we are. God sees through all the fluff. He sees through all of the things that you and I can fake everybody else out on. And He's looking straight to the core. He knows our thoughts. He knows our intentions. He knows all of the things that we can smooth over with our words and our appearance to everyone else. He sees through all of it. He knows who we really are. So Paul is saying here, you need to have an answer for those who boast in appearance but not in heart because God sees the heart. And I'm going to tell you what your answer is going to be. Verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. 
that if Christ died for one, then all died. All, and he died for all. And those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though you knew Christ according to the flesh, yet we don't know him thus any longer because he's ascended and gone on to heaven. So now he's saying, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us. Somebody say us. Somebody say Ewan's. All right. Us, Ewan's. Talking about us. All right. He's given to us, Ewan's, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means... Verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the ministry or the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Huh. Amen, somebody. Here's the thing. He said, listen, God has reconciled the world unto Himself, okay? He's reconciled the world to Himself. He's done what He can do. And now what He has charged you and I to do is to take that ministry that has been given to us and begin to do that to others and share that as ambassadors. To begin to share the gospel with others. To begin to share what God has done to us. That we didn't get what we deserved. Instead, we got grace. That instead, we got forgiveness. Instead, we got reconciliation. And because of that, he said, I've charged you to be ambassadors who carry the gospel to the world. To be a light in the darkness. I'm an ambassador for Christ. He said it like this. I love this. Paul said, it's like if God... God were pleading through you to the world and shouting out saying, be reconciled to God. You and I are that instrument. You and I are that vessel. You and I are that ambassador. And the thing is, is that as ambassadors, we need to be people of integrity representing the light, representing the love, representing the truth that has been given to us. Amen? And what integrity is, it's really something that's found in the little things when no one is looking. That's what it is. If we're to be ambassadors for Christ, if we're to be representatives of the kingdom of God, then we're representing when people are looking and when no one is looking. It's easy to do stuff when you get a pat on the back or a high five. Man, you sure are spiritual. Good job. Man, thank you for loving me like that. Thank you for sacrificing for me. What about in those moments when nobody knows about it? What about when you're faced with a temptation and no one is looking and no one knows that you did the right thing? No one knows that you did the God-honoring thing. That's what integrity is. And it's not just these huge, big acts of these awesome things that you and I do to, to serve and to show the love of God to the world. No, it's in the little things. When nobody is looking. I was at Pizza Ranch a few weeks ago because they had the $5 buffet. $5 buffet, what? How many of you guys were at the $5 buffet? That was, you can clap if you want to, it's cool. I mean, Pizza Ranch, $5 buffet, that was straight up crazy, okay? 
You want to experience crazy, all you have to do in Sheboygan is say something is cheaper than it normally is or there's a coupon. People freak out. That's just how Sheboygan rolls. Oh, $5 buffet. Oh, shoot. Let's go over there. Well, there was a line wrapped around the building. If you were there, it was straight nuts. Well, we got there early, but I got there with my children. My wife was going to meet me with her friend later on, and she said, just go ahead and you know, ask for a table for us too, because you had to ask for a table, and you had to wait for one to open up and all this stuff. So me and my three children made four, so we needed a table for six. And I told the lady, I said, I need a table for six, and I went ahead and paid for me and my children. I forgot to pay for my wife and her friend. So... The lady who sits us says, oh, you're waiting on two more. And I said, yeah, do you want them to wait in the line because it was wrapped all the way around the building? She said, no, no, no. Just have them come in around everyone else because that's how you make friends. You pass everybody who's hungry in a line and you break line and you go all the way. So they got dirty looks and made all the way over to come sit down. And when they came and sat down, I look at my wife and I said, did you pay for you and your friends? She said, oh. No, I didn't. I didn't know I was supposed to. I thought you did. And I said, oh my gosh, why don't you go up there and pay real quick? And she said, I'm not facing that angry mob. These people already hate our guts. And I said, okay, I'll go up there and pay. So I get up and I go and I tell the lady at the cash register, I said, I'm sorry. I said, those two ladies that just walked up here, they misunderstood. They thought that I had already paid for them. So I need to go ahead and pay for them. And there was a lady waiting in line, and she said, oh, well, that was really nice of you to come do that. I don't know if I would do that. I'm like, seriously, you're standing right here, and you're going to tell everybody you don't know if you'd do that. And she said, that was really nice. And I said, well, I said, it was the right thing to do. And I began to think, how many times do we do these little things that nobody thinks about or that maybe we justify Oh, they gave me too much money. Well, I probably spent too much on something else anyways. They owe me. Or I had to wait in line a long time. I'm not going back through that again. <laughs> that was my, my uh, tip for waiting in line as long as I had to. And we say stuff like that, and we justify stuff like that, but it's not the right thing that's going to bring God glory. It's the same thing that people who don't know God, that's the same thing they do. You see... If we're going to shine the light, we're going to have to do something countercultural to what people are used to. Amen? Amen? Because darkness is used to darkness. And when darkness responds with darkness, nobody checks up. It's when you're in the darkness and then someone shines the light where people go, Whoa, that's not how I'm used to seeing the response going. I'm not used to someone being patient with that new employee at the restaurant. I'm not used to someone doing something so kind and selfless and generous. I'm used to people and expecting people to treat me badly and poorly. I'm not used to someone forgiving me for something so crude and something so vile that I did. What's your angle? What are you doing this for? You've got to want something. You see, the world checks up because darkness is not used to that kind of light. Darkness is not used to people operating with integrity. Darkness is used to people just doing whatever feels right in the moment or whatever they can justify. You see, but integrity is in the little things. These people that fall, these people that blow it, that are on a big pedestal in society, do you think one day they just make the decision that they're going to go cheat on their wife or they're going to uh, begin looking at child pornography? Do you think one day they just wake up and think they want to go do that? No, not at all. It's a slow fade. It's a little compromise here, a little compromise there, and then it's these little things, these little compromises of integrity that lead them later on in life to justify their actions. 
And they get trapped and in bondage to sin. But people of God are called to be people of integrity who walk in the light and shine the light in the middle of the darkness. That means we do the right thing and we do the thing that will keep that integrity intact even when no one is looking. In a world where Christian leaders publicly fall to sexual perversion or where people fall into financial lust, we need people of integrity to show the light. In a world where men who stand for purity on television but secretly are cheating on their spouses, in a world where you can't even trust Jared the subway guy, it's true. It's true. This this is the kind of stuff that's happening. God has called us to be different, to be separate, to be people of integrity. It's the little compromises. It's the little things that open the door to the darkness. But here's the thing about people of light. Here's the thing about people of integrity who realize they're ambassadors for Christ is that they remember who they represent. People of integrity remember who they represent. Amen, somebody? They remember my life is not my own. This is not about me. This is about me showing forth the glory of God because the chief end of man is for us to show forth the glory of God. We were created for His glory. We are vessels of His glory. We are instruments for His glory. And when we realize that, it makes me stop just a second and go, wait a minute, I need to remember who it is that I represent. Normally when I come to the church or work during the week, I like to wear a Word of Grace polo and it has the logo stitched on the left chest. I really like those shirts. They're just comfortable and they look nice, you know. And so I have quite a few of them and I try to always wear those for the most part during the week. It gives a little professional feel too as well. And I was wearing my Word of Grace polo and I had to deal with someone who does not go to church here and I don't know where they're at with God, but I had to deal with them in a situation where they were straight up getting on my nerves. They were giving me a hard time and I had to go confront them. And in my confrontation, I had prepared in my mind, it's in my mind, what I wanted to say. (laughs) And I had this whole speech prepared and I was going to let this guy just have it in my mind. Okay? And I was going to let him know how I felt. And I had played the scenario over and over in my head about a hundred times. And then as it was nearing the time to meet with this individual, God just punched me in the stomach and just said, what shirt are you wearing? Really? (laughs) Really? And it's not as much about word of grace and the fact that I'm a pastor and that I'm representing our church, even though that is important. It was more about the fact that I'm representing Christ, that I'm an ambassador of Christ. And it made me check myself before I wrecked myself. I said, oh, I need to remember what shirt I'm wearing. And I thought, how valuable of a principle is that? But here I am wearing this shirt with the name Word of Grace over my heart. What's written on your heart? Who are you representing? If you belong to Christ, if you're one of those who follow Him, and you call yourself a Christian, more important than Word of Grace, the name of Christ is written on our hearts, and we are ambassadors. Amen? We are representatives of his kingdom. And when I remind myself of that, when I remind myself of that, then when I'm in a situation where I'm tempted, 
When I'm in a situation where I want to lash out and be right, because I love to be right, just like you do, just because I'm a pastor don't mean I don't like to be right. Sometimes because I'm a pastor, I like to be right more. (laughs) And I want you to know I'm right. And sometimes I can get a little agitated if you don't think I'm right. And I wanted this individual to know how right I was and how wrong that he was. But instead, God wanted me to navigate that with grace. And navigated it a little differently than my flesh wanted to. Because my flesh wanted to navigate that conversation a completely different way than the way that it went. But the Spirit of God on the inside of me and my integrity would not let me do that because I remember who I represent. Amen? God didn't go to church here. I could have said whatever I wanted to say, you know. I could have done what I wanted to do if I let my flesh rule. And I haven't always been perfect. Sometimes my flesh does win. But you know what? If I want to be a man of integrity, who's an ambassador of Christ, who's a light in the darkness, I need to remember what shirt I'm wearing and who I represent. Amen? If you're still in 2 Corinthians, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to share with you real quick another part of integrity as we're growing in the light and growing in being people of integrity. Now, Paul had to deal with the church at Corinth a lot because these guys, they, just, they would just step all over each other with wanting to be right and whose ideas were the best. And they would get all hyper-emotional. And, and uh, Paul had to just corral them a number of times on a number of different issues. And one of the things that he kept having to come back to with the church in Corinth was dealing with the issue of eating food that was sacrificed to idols. Because this church in Corinth was in an area where it was primarily made up of Greek people who had, before they known Christ, worshipped pagan false gods. Because these guys would worship these false gods, part of the practice was giving sacrifices, animal sacrifices, to those gods. And then afterwards, they would have like an idol barbecue. And everybody would eat the meat that was sacrificed to the idol and it was part of their, their uh, spiritual uh, rituals that they would have in their act of worship and serving these other gods. Now, these people grew up in this area doing this all their lives. And now they're introduced to Christ. And so now where do we stand on eating something that was sacrificed to an idol? Some guys were like, I'm free in Christ. You can't tell me. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm not worshiping the idol. I know what I'm doing when I'm eating this meat. And some people were like, oh, no, no, no. You can't eat that meat. That was sacrificed to an idol. You can't do that. And so the church in Corinth was divided on this issue. And Paul steps in and he writes this letter to them. And it's sprinkled all throughout 1 Corinthians. You can read it in 1 Corinthians 8 as well if you want to do a little bit more research on it. But he kind of summarizes that whole debate Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, Paul says this. He says, guys, listen, all things are lawful for me. In other words, I'm free in Christ. I'm not worshiping the idol. I understand what I'm doing. I can eat the meat. All things are lawful for me. But however, all things are not beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Not all things build up. Let no one seek his own But let each one seek the other person's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no question for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord and all of its fullness. And if any of those who don't believe, if they invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, don't eat it for the sake of the one who told you. And for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So here's what Paul was saying to him. 
Listen, guys, because we're people of integrity, because we're ambassadors, even though we are free to do certain things, because those things weren't sinful, but if it will cause someone else to stumble, because I'm a person of integrity, I care more about my brother, and I'll be willing to abstain and say no to that meat rather than just party it up at the barbecue and somebody go, I thought that guy was a Christ follower. You see what Paul is explaining to them here. He's telling them, listen... If your actions cause someone who is struggling with something to justify their sin, it's better for you not to indulge because your motive is love. He said, you need to prefer your brother over yourself. Just like you wouldn't go uh, out to eat with someone who is a recovering alcoholic and then order alcohol. That would be a huge mistake because you're putting a stumbling block in front of that person who is trying to get free from something that has controlled their life. Now, does the Bible say that drinking alcohol is wrong? No, I can't show you that in the Bible, but I can tell you all over the Bible where it talks about how drunkenness is a sin. We got real quiet. That's okay. That's okay. I, I don't mind. It's all in the Bible. It's not Derek's opinion. It's God's opinion. You see, he says drunkenness is a sin, but he doesn't say that drinking is He also says eating too much food is a sin. It's called gluttony. But here's the thing. I'm not going to invite someone who has been struggling with alcoholism out for a drink because I'm setting up a stumbling block in their way. Even though, am I allowed to do that? Is it lawful for me? Paul said, yeah, all of those things are lawful. It's not a sin for me to do that. But because I care about my brother more than my own indulgences, I'm willing to abstain. Because I don't want him to fall. I don't want him to look at me as a way to justify his sin. Something that he would be struggling with that would cause him to sin. That would, help, that, would, that would actually make him go, well, if this person does it, then I guess everybody should do it. Well, no, I, I, when I'm with him, I'm going to do it. He said, now, if you're with those people, except for conscience sake. He said, you, you can eat, eat, that idol, eat, eat the food that was sacrificed to the idol. He said, but if, if somebody brings something up about it, he said, and they're wondering what you think about it, he said, it would be better for you to abstain. Because you love that person. Your love for them outweighs your desire to indulge. You see, love for my brother causes me to sacrifice my own personal liberties because I'm a person of integrity. When we love and prefer our brother or sister in Christ more than ourselves, we sacrifice for their sake because our love for them is greater than our desire to serve ourselves. Is this making sense to anybody? This is what Paul was talking about here. Because sometimes we just want to do whatever we want to do, but we don't realize we're actually setting up someone else who may be struggling to stumble. But because of my integrity and because I, rep I represent the King of kings and Lord of lords, because I represent God here in the earth and I'm showing people His love and His light and I'm representing Him. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I go, you know what? I'm going to be a person of integrity and I'm going to abstain from this and with this person. I don't want them to be tempted to where it would cause them to stumble and they can use me as a way to justify. That's why Romans 12 and 10 says this. It says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Now, I'm not talking about abstaining from things that are sinful. You need to do that. There's no justifying that whatsoever. We need to stay away from things that are sinful. But yet preferring our brother or our sister, preferring someone who is growing in their walk with the Lord, 
We need to make sure that we love them and we prefer them rather than do whatever we want to do just because we have freedom, because we have integrity. Amen? Because we remember what shirt we have on. Because we, we, we remember who it is that we represent. Because I know God and I know what He would have me do in this circumstance. And the reason I know God is because I've invested in a relationship with Him. Because I don't just know about Him, but I know Him. You see, investing in relationship with God reminds me of who I am, and it reminds me of whose I am. It's one thing for me to remember who I am, but then to remember that I'm not my own, as the Bible says, I was bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus paid for my redemption and now it's your breath God in my lungs you understand what I'm saying this morning you see when I invest in that relationship it reminds me that I am not my own that I belong to God not only am I a representative of him but he is mine and I am his I am fully surrendered to him saying God my life is not my own do in me and through me what will bring you glory because I belong to you. That's where we can understand Romans 12 and 1 where he says to present our bodies as a living sacrifice because we're going, I'm sacrificing to you because, Lord, it's, it, my body, my life, it's not mine. It's yours because you paid for me. You bought, my, uh, you bought and paid for my redemption. And I want to be an ambassador for you. When I invest in that relationship, it reminds me of who I am because the strength of your integrity is directly affected by your relationship with God. Oh, let me say that again so you can write it down. I, I want you to get this today, okay? The strength of your integrity is directly affected by your relationship with God. Because when you're in those quiet moments, when you're tempted, when you want to justify something, when it's a matter of standing up for what's right or a matter of doing what would bring God honor and glory instead of what you would selfishly want to do, that relationship with God, the strength of that will navigate you during that time to be able to know, God, what do I need to do here? I listen to a podcast, a leadership podcast by Andy Stanley. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. Maybe you've heard of his dad, Charles Stanley. Andy's a pastor of a church in, uh, in Georgia, and it's a, it's a really good church. If you want to li listen to his podcast, you can uh, look him up. Um, on iTunes. It's just Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. And I was listening to it one day, and something he said just really struck my heart. And I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. He said that when I'm in a situation, when I don't know what to do, I always ask myself, what would a great leader do in this circumstance? Wow, what a powerful question. When I'm in a, when I'm in a situation where I don't know what to do, what would a great leader do in this situation, in this circumstance? He said, and then I need to do that thing. He said, or it will at least get me started on the right path to finding the answer. Every time, I get, every time I get stuck, every time I'm scratching my head, every time I'm going, God, what do I do? I always ask myself, what would a great leader do in this circumstance? And I began to think about the weight of that. And I began to think, wow, what would a great leader do? God. What would Jesus do in the middle of this circumstance? How would he react? How would he respond? And when I think about how Jesus, the greatest leader of all time, responded to temptation, when nobody else was around, he was in the desert. He had been fasting for 40 days. 
guy's got to be hungry, man. Sometimes we can't fast for four hours. You guys are thinking about that Mexican food right outside this door. You're like, it's there, and I'm thinking about it. And this candy, this little, this little candy in my pocket is not satisfying. I don't know how long that candy has been in my pocket, but I'm hungry, Pastor Derek, and I want to go eat the Mexican food. And why are you talking about it now? <gasps> Jesus fasting 40 days. 40 days. And here comes Satan to tempt him, because the Bible says he was tempted in every way, just like you and me. Here comes Satan, he says, I bet you're hungry, Jesus. See those uh, stones over there? Why don't you show me that you really are who you say you are? Why don't you turn those things into bread? What did Jesus respond? The greatest leader. How did the greatest leader of all time? Nobody would have known. It was just Jesus out there. And Satan, I mean, nobody, anybody around? That's kind of cool. Nobody would know. How did Jesus respond? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Then when Satan took him up to a high cliff and said, if you really are who you say you are, why don't you just jump? Surely your father would send 10,000 angels to come and rescue you. You, you wouldn't get hurt at all. Why don't you just, uh, why don't you just show me? You really, it is written. And then he began to say, well, I'll see the kingdoms of the world. I'll, I'll give them all to you. He said, if you just bow down and worship me, it is written. The greatest leader of all time responded, with it is written. So when I know God, and I begin to invest in knowing Him through knowing His Word, through knowing His truth, then when I'm put in a situation that's precarious, that may be something where I don't know what am I going to do in this moment, the personal integrity on the inside of me that's going to show the light of God to the world, that's going to show the love of God to the world, that's going to show the truth of God to the world, that's going to be a light in the darkness, and me as an ambassador of Christ can go back to it is written. Amen? It is written. No, I, I want to invest in my relationship with God because it determines the strength of my integrity. People who have no integrity, they have no relationship with God. They don't know Him because if I know Him, then I want His heart beating in my chest. I want to love the things He loves. And I want to hate the things that He hates. And I want to abstain from the things that would tarnish His name as, with me being a representative of Him. And His love and His light to the world. And by investing in that, knowing Him, I began to know His heartbeat. And then when I'm put in those situations, I can say, what would Jesus do? What would God have me do in this circumstance? What would bring Him the most glory? Because God's in this thing for His glory. Amen? And when I know Him and I believe that and I trust Him, then when I'm in those situations, I'm able to do what would bring Him the most honor and glory. Because God is love. That's who He is. And when I know Him, I know love. And love is the foundation of, for people of integrity. Love is the foundation for people of integrity. Because if I'm going to walk through this life being a man or woman of integrity, then what I'm saying is that I'm going to prefer my brother and my sister. I'm going to love them. I'm not going to give them what they deserve. I'm not going to do the things I think I deserve. Instead, I'm going to be focused on what does God say because God is love. What would love have me do? How would love have me respond? No one else is going to know about it. No one else is going to know about your secret sin. No one else is going to know about your private struggle. 
Yeah, how are you going to get free? You need to expose those things in the darkness. No one's going to know about my porn addiction. No one's going to know about the fact that I've been stealing a few little things from work. Everybody does it. It's cool. It's not a big deal. I mean, they got plenty of stuff anyways, and they work us too hard and pay us too little anyways. No stand up and I do the right thing. Oh, you know, I typically get here, you know, 10 minutes early. I could put that in on my time card, even though today I was late. It's not that big of a deal. I'm here more times early than, I not, than I'm not. So I could just go ahead and put that on there. Really, what would integrity have you do? What would love have you do? What would love have you do in that moment? It's okay to tell a little white lie. There is no lie that is white. That's us beginning to classify sin. Oh, it's just a little sin. It's not a big deal. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little compromises. You see, for us to be people of integrity, we need to stand up for what is right, even if it hurts us. Because it's for His glory. Amen? Amen. You see, you may be struggling with something and you may be hiding it from your spouse. It's time for you to begin to go to that person and say, I've, I've been struggling. I need help. Instead of always sweeping these things under the rug, my goodness, that's not the will of God for your life. Go to someone you can trust. Let someone help you navigate through this thing because God wants you to be free. And sometimes we can't do things on our own and and God never intended for you to do everything on your own. That's why we have one another. That's why we have the body of Christ who's encouraging and spurring one another on to good works. Amen? That's why iron sharpens iron, so does one man's countenance sharpen as another. You're not alone in your struggle. You're not alone in that stuff. Don't let it bring shame because you're trying to hide. Just imagine if some of these people that we've heard about in the news lately, if the, the, the Duggar guy, or if Jared the Subway guy, if these guys would have reached out to somebody when they first started compromising, Just think about if somebody would have reached out and said, hey, I'm struggling. I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to hold me accountable. Instead of pretending and pretending and pretending, and the the pedestal kept getting higher and higher and higher, and then how great is the fall? Pride comes before fall because pride thinks that it can control it. Hello, somebody. Pride thinks, I got this. I don't need anybody's help. I got this. Pride thinks... Oh, oh, oh I, I can handle this without, without exposing my sin, without exposing my weakness. I say expose this thing to somebody you can trust and somebody who loves you and cares about you so you can walk in freedom and get over this thing and let the past be the past instead of letting it control your life forever. Instead of keep repeating and rehashing the same thing over and over again because when you do that, You feel a weight of condemnation, and that's exactly what the enemy wants you to feel. He wants you to feel like there's no hope for you. Oh, if everybody knew who you really were, you're a super freak. (laughs) To what the enemy likes to make you think. Keep you from ever asking for help. Keep you from ever going to someone you can trust and helping, finding help and, and repenting. The enemy wants to keep you bound. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the people of God being bound because Jesus said it's for freedom you've been set free. Jesus said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? Amen. And if love is the foundation, I see more in the Bible about restoring the brother who falls into sin than I do beating him over the head. I'm preaching better than y'all are amening today. (laughs) I see more in the Bible about restoring those 
who fall into temptation. That's what I'm interested in as your pastor. That's what Word of Grace is all about, is about family, caring about one another, not trying to impress one another or out-spiritualize one another. I don't have time for that. To quote Sweet Brown, ain't nobody got time for that. Sister can preach. We don't. We don't have time for that. I'm not playing games here. I'm, I don't want you to come to this church so you can feel better about yourself. I want you to come to this church because you love God, you love people, and you want to serve and you want to grow in giving Him glory. That's why I want you to come here. Not because you like the music, not because you like me, not because you like anything else. No, no, no. I want you to come here because God has called you here and He wants you to grow. And this is where He has you to be so you can grow. And part of you growing... It's part of you being free from the junk that's controlled your life. Not just pretending like everything's cool and you just go on about your life and get everybody fooled while you're bound in shame and chains and all this junk that the enemy would love to just lock you up with. I don't want Word of Grace to be a place where there's a bunch of people who can talk a good game but they got no grit to them. I want us to know who we are and whose we are because we are growing in the light. Amen? And love is the foundation for people of integrity. Love is the foundation for us growing in freedom. Love is the foundation for the way we treat one another, the way we act and react, the way that we act when no one else is around, when no one else is looking. That helps us remember what t-shirt we're wearing. That helps us remember who we are. Jesus said it this way in Mark 12 and verse 30. Jesus said it. Go ahead and put it up on the screen for me. Mark, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We need to grow in loving God. Amen? Amen. This is the first commandment. Second is like it. This is what it is. It says you'll love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no other commandment greater than these. Love God, love people. We love people. We're going to naturally want to serve because of what God's doing in our heart. That's what we're going to grow in. That's the light we're going to shine to the world. It's not our light. There, there's no light that we can produce in and of ourselves. No, no, no. It's not to give us credit or to people to go, oh, look at you. Oh, you're, you're such a good person. No, no, no. It's to go, God is so good. To shine His light, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness in me and through me so I can do the right thing when no one is looking. <coughs> not so everybody will think I'm so great. Not so everybody will think I'm so spiritual. But so that I'm not giving the enemy a place in my life anymore. I'm ready to stand up and be free and walk in freedom. And make the hard choice when people are looking and when they're not. Because I want to be a person of integrity who's bringing God glory. Amen? You want to talk about true joy? You want to talk about true Forgiveness, true peace, true rest, be a person of integrity. A person of integrity has no trouble sleeping at night. You know that? A person who doesn't have integrity, who's playing a game, they're wrestling, trying to keep up with all the lies and balance all of the things in their life that they've got everybody else thinking. They're a nervous wreck. A person of integrity can put their head on a pillow at night and go, God sure is good. I know I did the right thing today. Doesn't matter what, if my coworkers think I did the right thing. Doesn't matter if my kids think I'm making the right decision. Doesn't matter 
I know that I did the right thing. And I know that I'm right before God and before man. I can rest. I can be happy. Happy is the man who's pleasing the Lord, who's serving the Lord, and not serving his own flesh, not serving our own selfishness. Let's grow in being people of integrity. Let's walk in freedom. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.